1: Do you know what, Alex? You're such a dick. Sorry, Brad. When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Slap, slap, slaps.
0: Les différents podcasts de frappe.
1: Arsenal have been through their mile and a half of pipe like Andy DeFrane in the Shawshank Redemption where you have to see the light at the end of the tunnel. El podcast de golpe diferente. But Arsenal are going through their pipe, like I say. We'll be back. The different Knock podcast.
0: Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. Welcome back to (laughs) an Arsenal podcast with Alexander Moneypenny and my very good friend. Bramley Apples. P.L. Fouls per red since Arteta became Arsenal manager. Arsenal 72.5, Burnley 973.
1: Listen, we know, we know that there's... That an, can't be right. We know, though, that it is right. They haven't had a red for nearly two years or something stupid. Like, here's the thing. We know that there's an issue between the way that Premier League referees, referee teams, we know that exists. What we do not have, uh, what I will not accept anymore, is that the players should not know about this and not know not to give refs the fucking choice. It's, it's, it's idiocy. Once you learn a pattern and you learn that you are either being treated differently because of something, you then have the choice to remove that situation from the scenario. We don't, we have, Rob Holding doesn't make that decision. Rob Holding makes it such an easy decision for him to get sent off. It's so easy. I'd have sent him off. Like, I, I, it's, it's moronic. Let's. Let's do
0: this at the top of the show because this feels like the most um, prescient thing uh, fr- from this from this game. Uh, Arsenal nil, Spurs three at the toilet bowl. Um, I have to say, looking at the incident straight away, um, the th- I think it's three ho- holding, sort of getting too close to Son. Sort of body checking him a couple of times before he gets a yellow and then his second yellow. I think for me that's not really debatable to, to me personally. And I feel slightly personally responsible because I did make a YouTube video this a YouTube video this week called Why Arsenal Are Lucky to Have Rob Holding. So uh that aged well. Um but for me that holding one isn't isn't really debatable. It's a red, especially the second yellow, he he blocks him off. The Cedric one we should have a a discussion about, but I just want to make this this point about referees, which I've made before, but I think is relevant again. Referees are there to referee the game, that specific game, not every other football game in the world. You're there to referee that game. And if you're refereeing, you know, put yourself in the referee's shoes. If you're refereeing an under nines football match, what a foul is, is going to be very different from what a, a foul is in a, a men's professional game, isn't it? Someone's going to, you know, accidentally kick someone. It's like, oh, it's a foul, right, okay, you know, pick up the ball. Different games, obviously, are going to require different things. They have different temperatures, they have different uh, tempos, they have different uh, players on the pitch who you need to manage in different ways. This is a fiery derby. So to manage it in a way where y- where y- you believe, it's it's like, how can you as a referee believe that is the best thing for the product and the best thing for the game? Because that Cedric one, the more angles I look at it, the more tenuous it feels. And the more tenuous it feels, the more I think, if I'm a referee in that situation, it's not a stonewall penalty.
1: needs needed to have a look at it. it, it no, was, it's one of the, It's a 50-50 one. It's, fi- it's, 50, it's one of those that's been given before. and so So as a referee... I've I've got a decision to make. There's however many millions
0: of people watching this game. How do we make it competitive? And I'm not saying give you know not don't give fouls when they're a foul. I, 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 that is not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying in a derby there has to be the the ceiling of what a foul is has to increase because there's there's more at stake. It's you're managing the game itself.
1: Uh, abso- listen. Absolutely, from both sides. Um, and I'm
0: not I'm not I'm not saying that from just from Arsenal's perspective.
1: No no no, I agree, I agree. On first look, I thought it was a penalty. You know, I think from the referee's angle, it's a penalty. You can you can see that there's a slight shove in the back and Son goes over. Um one, I don't think that happens if we don't have such a gangling fuck knuckle at right back. <laughs> this man has been a liability for so long and honestly, it's getting like I know that we're in a in a in a player strapped situation where we're having to, you know, almost make ends meet by playing certain people in certain places. But um, this this is a clear example of, of why, you know, reinforcements are needed in the summer and all the chat that we've had, because that does not happen if Tommy Asu is at right back. That does not happen if a functional human being is at right back. To jump around, flailing yourself in the air, basically begging to make contact with somebody and make it a decision that the referee has to make. I find it no surprise that this was Cedric, you know? And I I saw a tweet and it's really, it's really interesting. How have we come to a decision where we think Cedric is more, is less of a liability than Tavares? They're the same. And if anything, I'd much rather have the physical profile of Nuno Tavares in this game than I would the absolute lightweight Cedric. A moth's fart could knock that man over, and we decided to put him on the left on the, on our right hand side with humans on. I I do not know what I don't know what Mikel was thinking with that decision. I, it it will it will honestly baffle me until the end of the season. But in a derby, James Lawrence Alcott says this. Uh, I love his stuff, and everyone should really go check him out. He does some really really good because he's a QPR fan. Partisan breakdowns of of games and stuff. It's it's good. It's good content. He he talks about the get up rule. And if at any point you're thinking, Oh, come on, get up, then it shouldn't be a penalty. I think that does apply here. And I think that, you know, Son feels a little contact, and whilst he's jumping through the air and it changes the trajectory and it's going to send him down, I I I think it's one of those contentious ones where I can see why it's been given. I can also see why it hasn't been given in other games. And it, you know, like we've said, it should not be given in the Derby. But this isn't the main conversation anymore. The main conversation is about idiotic players giving the referee decisions to make. Because that's, that's been the story of so many of these penalties, so many of these red cards, so many of these decisions is our players giving the referee the option by doing stupid shit. And that leads me on. You know, we talk about the fact that we're increasing in. We're, sorry, we talk about the fact that we're increasing in like street smarts and stuff like that. Rob Holding gets Hugman Son sent off twenty minutes before he gets sent off if he rolls around clutching his face. Yep. and, and Son throws
0: an elbow, and that leads me to like, to to the person responsible for this, and I, and I and I don't mean this in a. Um, Particularly pejorative word, just meaning he's responsible for it. I could see this coming. I think most fans could see this coming. Once you, you look at our back line last night, we've got Cedric, Rob Holding, Gabriel, and Tomiyasu. Our best defender, as in defender, in that situation. Person most um, reliable in in defence. If you look at the stats, if you look at the way he tackles, if you look at his technique. He's got this amazing ability to um, to beat people one on one. I'm doing a, um, some research on him at the moment. I mean, he's he's an unbelievable defender. It's Tomiyasu. He's our best defender. So if I'm Mikel, and I can see that our left hand side, as in Spurs's left, our right is being targeted, I have to move Tomiyasu earlier. I have to swap those sides. I have to make a decision because in possession and, you know, in when we've got control of the game, I understand Cedric. I, I actually do. And I under, I understand him in, in certain situations when he's on the right-hand side, combining with Erdegaard in those tight spaces, he looks decent. When we've got the ball, he looks, he's, he's decent. He can tuck in. Tommy Esu can roll around into the three. Fine. Tavares, I think they're almost both as bad as each other. I, 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 I do agree. There's a debate there. Once we lose possession of the ball, you have to consider what's going on. And considering they're targeting one side, you have to make that decision earlier to swap tam- Tommy Asuo over. So that's point one for Mikel, for me. Second one, I appreciate he didn't want to risk Ben White, but not pushing Xhaka back into a back five, not moving Elneny around, not shifting Tomi over even, even into centre-back or, or to, into another situation, puts Rob Holding in a situation where he's getting touch-tight to Son consistently, three situations and the referee is clearly watching those rack up. One happens, second happens and he's having conversations saying if that happens again. If I'm Mikel Arteta at that point I say right Rob, back off. You haven't got the pace, you you're you're too tall, you haven't got the 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 spring to to deal with Son. That's fine. You, you that's the player you are. You're a bit more of a back to the wall defender, although he is underrated in terms of his ball playing ability, with some nice balls out. You need to to back off a little bit. We need to find a different solution for dealing with Son. So that is point two on Mikel's responsibility. And I also agree with you as a third point on Mikel's responsibility. But this is more a shared responsibility. The players have to take some, some flack on this because it's like you guys have to manage this game as well. Now, I appreciate that there's young players in this team, but the young players weren't the ones who let us down last night. Rob Holding's 26, Cedric's 29.
1: Rob Holding's been in this team for what six years? You know, we bought him when he was like twenty. Th- these aren't the young players. He's our most. He's our most experienced player. Yeah, he's yeah. not a young player. Yeah. You know, th- like you've got you've got players like Eduardo Camavinga coming on and bossing a Champions League semi final at nineteen. Twenty six is not a young age to play football. Yeah, he ab- and you know he. It wasn't even that he was. He just lost his head. There is no need to make that final tackle on Son. I just want to add one more thing on Holding, because I, I really rate him.
0: And if you see my YouTube video uh, on different Knock all about Arsenal, I stand by everything I said. But the thing is, he shouldn't have been in that situation last night. We should have more squad depth to have a situation where Rob Holding doesn't have to be there. He's a secret weapon in that he can come on and see out a game for us. He's decent on the ball when he's got protection. But the second you have a world class winger who has to deal with one on one, that is quite literally the last situation I want Rob Holding in. So, structurally, as a manager, I have to deal with that. And I don't want Cedric on his outside who
1: can't defend, basically. So, and also just makes brainless runs. You know, Cedric sometimes will just run up the right flank. You know, I, I tweeted this out. I tweeted it out uh, after the first yellow card and said, "Rob Holding is going to get sent off because Cedric is as useful as a chocolate fireguard." That is your favourite phrase, chocolate fireguard. The the constant the, the the constant lack of support in that channel from Cedric meant that Rob had no choice but to try and get touch tight, right? And yes, he loses his head for the for the final yellow card. Uh, like it's, it's moronic to make that decision. There's a covering player, no matter how fucking quick Son is, he's not getting to the ball before that player in Ramsdale. He's just not because Rob's put his body in the way where Son has to bend his run round him. Just don't make contact. Don't go into him. It's, it's so stupid. I also think point four on what Mikel got wrong last night is we went with the wrong game plan. We went to play our own brand of football to try and win a game. And that was stupid. We did not need to win this game. We only needed to come out with some sort of positive result. A draw or nicking a plucky win would have been perfectly fine. Sitting, we know exactly how Spurs have struggled this season against low block teams who park people on Kane. And we didn't really do that. Well, we did once. And obviously I know their second, none of of their goals, none of their goals um, came from from transitions, but they didn't need to because both the the other two of their goals came after we were a man down from the start. We should have set out to give them the ball to frustrate and then to hit on the counter with quick pacey players. And we, we did not do that. And that was a mistake because I said this in the preview. Drawing this game is, is good for both teams. And if we can get it to sixty minutes at nil-nil, both teams will back off because there is everything to win but everything to lose. But we handed it to Tottenham on a silver platter tonight from Mikel down to the players. We we gave them the gift of this result.
0: Yeah, I agree that there was a slightly less proactive game plan that that could have worked. Um you know, we'll never know, but I, I believe it I believe it would have. Um and I look at that team and I think, actually, once we got into our low block for basically you know after, after the third goal with 10 men we looked decent spurs didn't have any chance you know they had a couple of chances basically from kane's unbelievable quality you know balls into the box but apart from that apart from though you know that difference that we we know we know is there and it's almost a moot point talking about kane and son so they are those are the players that we need that's the next stage but we know that you know we we actually look decent so you know there's evidence there that um that that could have worked, and and it's you know when you've got Rob Holding and Gabrielle, for me that's the game plan you go with. You know you 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 do sit in a low block. You try and hit them on the counter. You try and find the transition moment. Spurs Spurs actually didn't have any transition moments. They just had high leverage moments from stupid stupid decisions. And it's no surprise to me that everything basically occurred down that side. You know the son the son moment. He's literally in between Rob Holding and Cedric. You know it's almost perfect perfectly encapsulated. Couple of positives. We are still in the driver's seat. We are still a point ahead. Um, I don't think the Gabriel injury is as bad as we think it is, although that is that is a concern. But Tommy Asu filled in. I thought beautifully, uh, centre back yesterday. Um, and you know, if obviously it wouldn't be ideal, but you know, that there, there, there is a world where Granite Xhaka can cover that space. I'm not saying, you know, he should go back into left back, but there is a a world where we can have a three of Xhaka, um, Tommy Asu and, and, uh, and Rob Holding, uh, sorry, not Rob Holding and Ben White, hopefully who's fit, which isn't the end of the world. Um, and Tavares and, and maybe, you know, we could play Saka at wing back. Who knows? There, there's all sorts of different, um, not ideal, but uh, different solutions. um, it's all, it, it is in our hands. It is in our hands. And that, you know, I found last night really, really hard. I, the second half, I basically, I was sort of staring at the wall at some point. I didn't really want to watch. I was just like, not bothered. Um, and it hurt. It definitely hurt. But something we said before the game that is, we actually said sort of whatever happens the reason we're so nervous, I and mean, Brad, were texted beforehand. Just like I was, I was gone, mate. My head was gone. I was so nervous before that game. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was awful. The reason that is is because it matters again. The football matters, and these are the games. Look, we're on a great direction of travel. We are on a great direction of travel. This doesn't negate anything we've just said. This is and what I'm about to say. We're on a great direction of travel. We know. It's, it's not as if Rob Holding and Cedric are our first choices. It's not as if we don't think we need a centre-forward. The, the principles of play, the, the management, the, the, the direction of travel, the points per game, the XG differential, you look at all of the data, it's heading in the right direction. It's really frustrating. It's really frustrating. But I feel that this is a kind of dying breed of a game. That's how I feel because I look at those players and I start to think, you know, I'm, I heard a rumor this week that Cedric's off in the summer. Um, I, to, to Newcastle, supposedly, um, someone DM me, shout out, you know who you are. Um, I, I feel as though this is a dying breed of a game because we'll have more squad depth. We're going to have injuries every season. It's going to happen, but we're going to start to be able to, to, to account for that. Um, and these types of games where we get run over, and that's my word of the game, dominated, because this is the first time this season that I felt we were dominated. We we got totally, especially once the, you know, 10 men, once we're down to 10 men, even with 10 men before in certain games, we've looked we've looked like we can mount an attack, but this time we just got absolutely dominated. We had nothing. We're relying on a half-fit for Saka to try and beat 15 men and, and score a wonder goal. And it's just not going to happen. I felt as though we were dominated, but as I say, this is a dying breed of a game. We we know what we need to fix. I believe squad depth is essentially the problem here because Cedric shouldn't be playing in a top-level team. He, sh- he shouldn't be. And, and, he, and, and love him, God love him, should be our backup centre-back for as long as we can keep him because not many people will accept that squad role. Rob Holding shouldn't be starting last night. So,
1: yeah, and that's going to be fixed. It's Rob be fixed. Holding should be fourth choice. Rob Holding should be that fourth choice option that you that you bring off the bench for the last ten minutes. Should be nowhere near a, a rotational starting position, or if he is, you 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 change the structure. Yeah, fine. My word of the game is embarrassed because we were thoroughly embarrassed last night. I echo everything that you've said about you know Cedric and and none of none of these none of these players should be near the the lineup. And again, El is another one who has performed admirably. In the last few weeks, but did not have a good game last night. Really didn't. Um, A few times left his task and wasn't parked on Kane. And then those were when good moments came from Kane. And, you know, beautiful balls around the corners. I... um. Again, sometimes it just shows that the players can hit veins of form and do Joe Willocks and be great for eight games. But you give contracts out on the basis of what they are going to do rather than what they are currently doing. And Elneny is a player that will fall off and will have. And the same with Enketia. Enketia is like we saw last night was was, um, you know, was toothless. A lot to do with the game state and the situation but trying back heels in our own half and not even executing it correctly. So the ball goes straight back to Tottenham and gets us straight back under the cosh is the mark of a player that I do not want at the club. This is a serious game, but I don't want us fucking around in our own half. Um, and, you know, we, we, as we, as a, as a club got absolutely embarrassed by a better team uh, with a, who were coached better with a better game plan and they executed it perfectly. And I think that unfortunately we got it wrong on every outlet tonight. That's going to happen. You know, there are going to be times where we get it wrong. Um, and we're, like you say, we're still in the driver's seat and there's, there's still hopefully some momentum and opportunity to, to drag us out of this, um, but it's going to be difficult especially with, with injuries and if Gabriele is out isn't it such a shame that um, our other left-footed set- centre-back is having a holiday in South Italy right now?
0: Well, firstly on the on the first point I, I stand by everything in terms of the four points that I think Mikel could have improved on last night but I also believe that the tools he had at his disposal were not suboptimal. Secondly on the Mari thing I it's to me that's a bit results based analysis ultimately if we get through the season it's a good loan he gets out you know mari's you, you yourself have said how terrible you think mari is i think he's a decent player um but 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 if gabriel gets an injury we need him and you know what a stupid decision to send him out so i, I, I that's why you keep squad depth
1: that's why you, no, but that's why you keep your squad depth alex the whole point like it's it's all fine it being results based analysis but the result is we might now go into the final two games of the season Without our without a left-footed centre back, but Brad, we have we've got one out on loan. We had four a loan that isn't an obligation to buy. We had four centre backs. Maori wasn't playing. White, White, Holding, Gabrielle, and Tomiyasu. Tomiyasu is not a centre back. Tomiyasu is a right back who can play centre back. There is a vast difference. And if if we had Mari, I'd much prefer. I'd much prefer having Tomiyasu at right back. No. Uh, Tomiyasu can play anywhere across
0: the backline. He 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 plays left centre back for Japan. He's looked unbelievable at left back. He's a completely versatile defender. We should have that conversation at some point. He's unbelievable. But we had a fourth choice. Oh, we had, we had, this a, we had me- a fourth this, choice. This, this, this... And Mario was fifth choice. And how can you expect a professional to 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 to, to be around at the club? I, I don't I don't think you can. And look, it's unfortunate. We're in a situation where we could. We had a, a don't make one... him the fifth choice then.
1: <laughs> but we we how Keeping how keep him fourth how choice the, and play Tommy Asu
0: at right back. How at the beginning of the season were you go- like, Were you gonna say, oh, at some point in the season we might need our fifth centre back because we've got three centre backs out, one suspended and two injured. You no, can't know mate, that, of
1: course. Of course, of course. Listen, listen. Uh, we we have. If if it comes to the weekend, we have one of our centre backs injured and one suspended, and we're playing a right our our main choice right. Because the thing is, I would understand the argument of, oh, you know, Tommy Asu very versatile. It's great, so let's play him at centre back. If Cedric Suarez wasn't our backup right back, I I understand that. You know, you're having to take a vital cog out of the machine for a for a for a for a, for a plank of wood. You know, I like that's the argument. That's why you don't make Tommy Asu your fourth choice, and you keep the other left-footed centre back around because you don't want like we've the the business done in January was always a gamble that could fuck up our season. And if Gabrielle is injured, that is a fuck up on our part because we've loaned out. Okay, I don't think he's that good, but he's definitely better having him there, and then Tommy Asu at right back than having Cedric Suarez anywhere near this team anywhere near I th- this team. I think we're... And that is a faux pas on, they deserve criticism. They deserve criticism for loaning out players that, okay, they might not have had the wealth of minutes that they would have gotten if they'd have stayed, but they could have had an impact if this scenario occurs. We don't just get to give them a pass because they didn't plan for every scenario. You have to plan for every scenario. You have to plan for these moments where you might have a player suspended and one of your other centre-backs is out injured. That's why you don't go in with only three, centre-backs and then a right-back who can also play centre-back? I think we're having the wrong conversation about
0: this because the conversation is not for me around squad depth because I believe we had that. The conversation is around what Mikkel, how Mikel adapts. Now Mikel believes that he wants to stick to his principles and when we're in possession, when we're playing exactly what Mikel's principles and what Mikel wants to do, Cedric is fine. Cedric is fine. Cedric can combine well on the right-hand side in possession, he can tuck in. He can, he can, he can go. He can invert and not go on the outside. In terms of what we need, he's fine. He's an average Premier League player, as I've always said. We need to improve on him. Tomiyasu was always our fourth choice centre back. He's had to shift over, and we've got Cedric. The point is, we didn't adapt. That's the point. We didn't adapt in terms of our gameplay, in terms of how we how we shifted. Cedric should have been much higher. Tomiyasu, I would have argued stick Rob Holding on, on the other side he can play left centre back I would have put him on I would have put Tommy Asu in terms of the three and uh, build up on the right hand side I would have I tucked him in as the right centre back that's what I would have done I think we're having the wrong conversation because Mikel didn't adapt the style to suit the players that he or the, the system to suit the players that he had on the pitch in terms of squad depth I don't think you can plan for every
1: you're you telling me Jurgen Klopp could have planned for the scenario last season sometimes it happens it's football Alex, we're going into the end of the season with one centre-back possibly injured. Jurgen Klopp had four centre-backs out and was playing Nat Phillips and Nico Williams at some points at centre-back. That's a very, it's a very, very different scenario for one. Two, I'm not talking about this game. I'm not talking about the specifics of this game. I'm talking about the scenario where go- we're going into the end of the season and we're having to take out the integral cog that is our right-back, that allows our right-winger to do all of the brilliant stuff that he does, and put him at centre back and play a player who is unbelievably suspect. Cedric Suarez, if he goes off to Newcastle, will be playing backup to Trippier, right? He's the second choice for a 10th or 12th place team this season who will be aiming for eighth or ninth incremental improvements. There is no way that he is good enough to be our backup. You say he's like, he is okay in one scenario, playing wall passes around players. If he goes on the outside, he's going to whip in a, a, a Sunday pub cross in that's going to connect with no one. And if he goes on the inside, he's just as likely to lose it. He's lightweight. He is not defensively astute. Cedric lacks in so, so many areas and it costs us there, I can't. I ca- How many times have we gone? I'm really not looking forward to Cedric versus insert any average left winger here with some pace. Every time there is a matchup, I'm always shitting myself over him, and it's because he is not good enough. So now we're having to continually play him because we're having to move our right back to centre back because we didn't keep one of our centre backs. What do we lose having- by keeping Pablo Mari? What well, do we lose?
0: Again, I believe we're having the wrong conversation. But we look, we it's it's uh, for me, it's not about squad depth. I do He's I I I, I fine, <laughs> but I I do. So it it I just think the the Cedric conversation. I don't think he's good either. Like you're 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 you're. you're it's like. I'm I'm not I'm not thinking that Cedric is, is the right answer. He isn't. He's an I, I agree with large proportions of what you say. I don't think he's as bad as you think he is, but I, I I agree with large portions of what you say. What I agree with is we had a defensive group that I thought could probably get through to the end of the season. And you can't plan to be relying on fourth and fifth choices, especially when you're looking to build a tight-knit group to get you through to the end of the season. Now, we can discuss that. You know, we can discuss in terms of, you know, how Mikel manages and adapts to, to situations and whether he should have gone for the, the, the sort of tight group or whatever. But in game, that's where I'm interested. Th- that, th- this is where I thought the mistake was okay. last night. It's not, it's not in the squad depth for me, for me personally.
1: But, uh, but also, anyway. we are relying on our fourth choice. We are relying on our fourth choice in moving Tommy Asu to centre-back. So, like, as much as I understand and I I fully respect what you say, it's all well and good saying we can't rely on fourth and fifth choices. We're now in a situation where we're having to make our fourth choice at centre-back. It just so happens that that is also our right-back. And that does put us in a situation.
0: But as I say, for me, the conversation in that is not squad depth, it's around how you adapt in-game. And I thought Mikel did the wrong thing. That's for me. Um, Let's get to the game more granularly then. Um... We, I can never say that, granularly. The Cedric incident, there's a couple of different angles you could look at it from. I I felt immediately it was a penalty. The, It was kind of a classic, actually Gary Neville, there was a Sky Sports wank fest over Spurs last night. But I also thought he was right on this situation. He said, I've done that a hundred times and he's just mistimed it. What he's tried to do is he's tried to shove Son to put him off before the header. And and probably in most coaching manuals, that's what you want to do. <clears throat> in most defensive situations, that's what you do. He's just gone early. The question is whether... whether and I'm trying to watch it here. There's another angle from the it's, back
1: It's where, not even a high-value situation. No, it's not. Is
0: There's another angle from the back where I look at Cedric and I think is it a coming together rather than a, a deliberate foul that's my question because i'm watching it again i'm watching it again and again here and i think there's a definite case where you could say he's going for the ball and he's blocked off by son because he's watching the ball he is watching the ball he's not watching the man and he r- basically runs into son i think it needed to be checked by var that's that's probably my my verdict what do you think and um, I still think it would have been given. I'm
1: watching it back from the. Uh, I mean, the, the penalties are not, not the reason we lost the game, but uh, it's you know it's a part of it. Um, I'm watching it back. I t- I don't know if you can class it as a coming together because they're not moving in opposite directions. They're not moving towards each other. It's not like they're both moving in the se- on the same plane coming together. They're both moving towards that side. I think there is contact at first i thought it was a penalty um and like you say he's he's just timed it wrong and it's 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 the lightest of contacts i think it's a small shove but a small shove when son is 2 feet off the floor trying to win a header will send his body down and that and that gives the referee a, a decision to talk about and to think about and and to make that doesn't need to exist He's going for a header that is basically on the line, like it's a it's about half a foot from the line. It's just as likely to go out for a goal kick, and if he heads it back across, both Gabriel and Holt and and Tommy Asu are in place. I just don't understand the the logic in in making the challenge and and making the decision to do that because I would understand if it's you know just in front of the penalty spot center of the box if he wins the header and gets it on target it's likely to be a goal he's having to, son's having to work his arse off to knock it back into the box there's no need like there, there, there is no need to make that challenge or that decision it's it is stupid um
0: i don't think i agree i th- i think son I'm, I keep watching it to try and make my mind up about this. I think Son can get there, and I think he's got enough of an angle <clears throat> to have a header on goal. I think, but again, it's it's difficult to know. And regardless that Cedric has misjudged it, do, do you know what I mean? And for me, as I said at the beginning of the show, those kind of decisions are: would we want it at the other end? Is my question, and I think we probably would. I think we probably would. It's a really tough one. It's a, re- it, and this is the thing. It, it's it's forensic, and maybe that's because we've got a, an Arsenal skew on it, and we oh, bash my mic. We've got an Arsenal skew on it, and we, um, we want to find any reason not to give it, and Spurs want to find every reason to give it, and that makes sense. But I also. Feel as though I'm watching it again and again and again, and I'm not sure. But my feeling is, in a derby, as I said at the beginning, do you do you allow for moments like that? Because it, for me, I do. Also, I believe it is a bit more of a coming together than than people think. I think Cedric is going for the ball. Um, sorry, is is looking at the ball, um, but maybe aware of the man. Ultimately, he's misjudged it, and 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 as you said as well you give the referee very little wiggle room when you put yourself in that position. So whatever you think of the actual incident itself, you're, especially with what we know about how referees are <coughs> are looking at us today, and I loved what Arteta said in the post-match, if I say what I think, I'll be suspended for six months, which, um, look at the stats, look at the red card since Mikel's come in, look at our foul counters, and I I, I really think there's a, a cogent case you could put together. I'm not saying there's a referee agenda, but I do think Arsenal referee differently in terms of our perception of us, and I think that has to change. Um, yeah, Cedric gives him no choice, I, I
1: think, and or very little wiggle room. Cedric gives him no choice but to have to make a decision about that. And even if the referee doesn't make a decision, it could go to VAR. You know, there's, there's. I don't. I would. Much rather, I think in that scenario, looking at it back with, you know, hindsight being 20 the angle that it's at, it's much better to just leave it. It really is. Song yeah. can probably get there and get a half decent header on target that's, make, that's probably just as likely to go over as it is going. And Ramsdale is well placed. If he knocks it back across, you can see in, that, in, in the clip, if you watch it back, you can see Gabrielle behind marking the middle of the box waiting for that ball to come back across it's the wrong decision and it's poorly timed for me for me personally i i think there's more of
0: a threat there and you could also have a read on this of wrong place wrong time wrong player but then if if the if the same player is in the wrong place at the wrong time consistently there's a pattern there and that's what we have with cedric um yeah and here we are the holding one is a lot more cut and dry for me. I mean, he literally sticks his elbow out, oh, it's elbow out to stop Son. It's a, definitely a red. He, he's lost his head. There's a clip going round of Son almost elbowing Holding, but again, it's been chopped to a point where you don't watch Holding wrap his arms around Son twice, pull him back, pull him over his head. I think he. I think Son. I think what Son does is a yellow, but it's in the middle of a load of. <laughs> tussling where holding is essentially pulling him over so it's it's like it it, it's very hard for someone to see the wood for the trees there in 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 my opinion i think it's it's just stupid from holding it's there's not much more to say about
1: it. i mean you can make you can make an argument that son should go for throwing the elbow uh i think if like i've said if holding is smarter rolls around on his face that's another 50 50 decision that you might get but he doesn't... And you know, I, I had I had a lot of very feral Arsenal fans in my Twitter mentions overnight getting very angry at me for suggesting that this Rob Holding red card is actually a red card for some reason. But there's, there's no room for debate on it. He commits three fouls before the first yellow and is told it's his last chance and then makes no attempt to play for the ball and moves his body in to block off Son. It's a yellow card. Like... Whether, whether or not Son has gone is irrelevant. That decision didn't go for us and we can only manage the game and the game state that we're in. Holding does not do that. Holding makes the stupid decision to commit the most obvious yellow card offence. I would want a second yellow for that. I would be so... Mm. If, for example, the shoe was on the other foot and this was Eric Dyer, I would be screaming at my television at how that wasn't a second yellow card and a, and a, and a red because it's so obvious. I you knew it as soon as it happened. Like I just I despair, I really despair because it's some listen, sometimes we want to find rhyme and we want to find reason and we want to find somebody to blame. That doesn't mean that that's always the right person to blame. You know, the referee is not to blame really for this result, yeah. tonight. Rob Holding got himself sent off, Cedric gave away that penalty. Yeah. I, I, like, people that are talking about this being Mike, Mike Riley levels of FA disgrace, like, for the Man United yeah. game, honestly, need to give the Reds a wobble. Um, because, at Conor Hub, It's okay. <laughs> it's No, 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 it's okay. It's honestly okay that that these things happen, but we, like, it weakens our case that we're refereed differently when we as a fan base scream and shout bloody murder, and how dare they, when they rightfully send off one of our players.
0: Yeah, no, I I love Connor, but I think I think he got that wrong. Um, there was there was a meme going around from fucking troll football, which just makes me die. But it was essentially Arsenal fans when the game's going wrong, and then that the meme where the the hands hitting the button really fast. It says blame the referee, and I was like, it's not wrong. There's a there's there's a look. There is definitely definitely a conversation to be had around the season around refereeing 100% and I would stick behind that the, this tonight is not that night we got dominated we got dominated and we had the wrong we had the wrong game plan and you know perhaps people could, could accuse me of being a bit blind to to Mikel's mistakes that was a mistake he made a mistake tonight for me personally and we got punished for it um I thought we had a good start, actually. They, they, they couldn't get out. Saka, uh, Xhaka and Odegaard and Ketty were pressing really well. Um, the full-backs were covering the lanes really well. They couldn't get out on the sides. We looked really composed. It was a nice sort of four-one-four-one one almost, um, which is slightly different from a four, the 4 I think we were trying to, to get at them really high and we managed to. Martinelli looked dangerous early um, and it was fiery. We were winning the second balls. There was a moment with uh, Gabriel and Kulisevsky, which looked, you know it looked like we were pressing our dominance. There was an amazing reverse pass from Tomiyasu Yasu uh, at one point, and, and and actually about 15 minutes in, Spurs stopped sort of proactively pressing us because I think they realised that we, they were getting through. They only sort of pressed us as, as we started to go back. Um, I thought El Nani was blocking the lane to Kane. But then the class showed, you know, Son starts to get in holding his head. We have to drop back a little bit the the game the the game shifts and as I say I think Mikel needs to recognise that and the ball starts bouncing off all of our players we start losing the second balls you know it it is it is crazy how quickly those things change and how quickly the, the 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 tide of the game changes and you have to be able to adapt to that in game and this is the thing, Erdegaard is a great technical leader when the sun's out when we're at the Emirates we're playing Burnley and you know we're we're knocking it round them great. But we also need someone in that midfield. I don't know who that is, and that's why I'm not too excited about Tielemans. We need someone in that midfield who is going to take the game by the scruff of its neck. And we've got Xhaka. Unfortunately, as great as Xhaka can be, he's not quite good enough to be that player. It's like, it's like me trying to be a captain of a football team. It's like, I'm probably going to be an average player in that team. An average player. Probably yeah. playing right back, so it's like I can't really. Even if I was the 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 chattiest guy in the team and the most popular guy in the team and the best trainer and whatever, it on in game there's not much you can do. And I I looked at that back line, Ramsdale. I'm going to start a conversation. We 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 probably should start a conversation soon. He's completely dropped off. His post shot xg is. Um, as expect, sorry, expected saves is is not good at the moment. It's massively dropped off. Um, he doesn't look like he's got the confidence to kind of marshal that back line. So I'm looking there and I'm going, it's not going to be Cedric. It's not going to be holding. It's In terms of, you know, even if they're talkers, it's their ability doesn't, doesn't shine through. It's not going to be Gabriel. Tommy Asu's not established enough yet. It's not going to be, you know, I'm going through and I'm not seeing anyone who's going to pull everyone aside and go, look, let's get through this next 10 minutes, sort it out. And I know it's a bit kind of Roy Keane, Tony Pulis, lump it, Brexit football. But it's true. It's a soft
1: factor, but it's true. And it matters in the game. Um, On Ramsdale, I I don't think you could have done anything about the three goals you conceded last night. You know, the first one, the penalty, you know, it's it's a gamble. It's a 50-50. If he goes the right way. Maybe he saves it. You know, you can never really have too much of a a goalkeeper for not saving a penalty. It's the most high value. I thought he should have gone left as well. It's the most high value shot opportunity that anyone could get. There's a reason for that. The second goal, Enketia goes to sleep at the back post. You know, And Kane gets in there first and Ramsdale just can't get there. I don't don't think he's at fault for any of it. What I think there is a conversation to start having about is Arsenal haven't kept a clean sheet in eight games and we're giving up a lot of high value opportunities. I don't remember the last time other than Chelsea, which was a game that we won, that we conceded a goal that I've gone, oh, Ramsdale should have saved that. And the only one that I can think of is that Werner one. So while I, I think that Sometimes the statistics of the goalkeeper will be quite damning because we'll look at it and go, oh, he's not saving what he should, and blah 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 blah. A lot of it's to do with what's in front of him. If if we keep giving up the level of high value chances that we're giving up right now, players are going to score goals, and it, it's it's kind of irrelevant what the keeper does because he can make his he can make as many saves as he wants. And if we still keep giving players those chances, eventually he's not going to be able to bail us out anymore. You know, look at Edison, for example. Edison against uh, Wolves. Um, I, think it's, I think it's Dendonka gets like a, an unbelievable opportunity and Edison, okay, maybe should do better, but can't bail them out that time and then, and then produces a brilliant save later. The only difference is, is the defence in front of him stops giving up high value opportunities. They only give up one. And if they give up one, you're lucky that's what we need to start doing. And maybe that's because we're playing this, you know, kind of mishmash defense and we are having to play our right back at center back and we are missing our, our left back and whatever. Um, but I don't think that the conversation around Ramsdale needs to start now. I'd wait for him to have a howler really, because otherwise I think it's slightly unfair. Um, it's just, <sighs> I don't think there's really much left to say, is there? We just got it wrong. We just got it completely yep. wrong. Yep. We got it wrong. We got it wrong. Um, I, 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 it happens. I, I per-
0: personally, I'm not waiting for a howler because I think, I think we're seeing the trend. Uh, I've got a tweet here that says Ramsdale uh, ranks 37th from 39 goalkeepers in the Premier League for post-shot XG. I expected saves relating to ball location within the goal frame. He's letting four more than expected. However, at 23, Alisson was bench-warming for Chesney. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, we've got to allow for that. And we've also got to allow for what you said, that we are letting in a lot of um, high-value chances. And and when that happens, yeah, you'll put your keeper in a very, very difficult spot. Um, yeah, I have nothing more to say, really. Uh, if I say what I think, I will be suspended for six months, and I don't
1: want to be suspended. Also, people need to realize if I say what I think, I have to lie and I don't like lying. (laughs) Mikel is a very smart man. Uh, What he did last night in that press conference was was PR, who's protecting his players. And and I I, I, listen, I respect him and I love him for that. But that's it, wasn't don't take that as, as verbatim that he agrees with you. That's his job to put himself before the players and to shine the light somewhere else. And to make the story something else, so that his players can rest, recuperate, and focus on Newcastle. It's nothing more than you know PR and trying to shift the conversation so that it doesn't dent the confidence too much. Because I I I don't even think that he would argue about the holding red card.
0: Yep. Yep. I uh, I agree. Anything else on the game, Bradley? Fucking nothing. We'll see you. After this. News and Views. Welcome back to News and Views, where we give you all the news and all your views, but mostly ours. Just a quick reminder that if you do enjoy these podcasts, please subscribe, turn on notifications, leave us a review, and please support us on Patreon, where you get access to ad-free versions of the post-game podcast, the preview podcast, and Shorts. For just three pounds a month. What a bargain. And for one-time support, head to buymeacoffee.com where you can buy me a coffee. Anything you can give monthly or one off helps the podcast. The links are in the show description. Right. Uh <laughs> question in from Leo Branks, who says, Top five worst current referees in the Premier League. What I what I find funny with the referees, so Connor, um, I work quite closely with Connor, Connor Hum now, as in at tiki taka, tiki taka Connor. he's a legend. But he tweets out uh, the referee for the weekend every week because it will always get engagement. Whoever it is, Stuart Atwell, Paul Tierney, fucking John Moss, whoever it is, Mike it doesn't Dean. matter. It doesn't matter because everyone will go, not him, which tells you something. And we've, we're not going to have the referee conversation right now. But um, just want to quickly touch on the Sky narrative last night
1: I think there's a whole... Oh, no, please don't.
0: No, no, no. I
1: couldn't couldn't handle the wank fest. It was
0: honestly... There's more of a a 30,000 foot view on this, I think. Sky's MO is to sell Sky packages. That is all they need to do. So then from that, you stick that into your Excel spreadsheet. You press enter. What do they need to do? They need to create the most high-volume narratives they can. And what drives clicks, what drives um, views and all that sort of stuff is outrage. There's so many studies that show when people are outraged, they, they're they way more engaged in, um, in the football. And you'll notice mm-hmm. that the, the takes get more and more... Um, What's the word? Sensationalized. The higher the emotions get from people who aren't fans of the club. So you know, Neville's wankfest was happening during the game, before and after the game. They're they're fairly objective. That there's you know there might be a, you know a bias here or there, and there might be a stupid comment here or there. That happens. But actually, I'm, I noticed during the games, they're a lot more. Sensationalize and Arsenal are getting this, that, and the other, and they're praising the Spurs team. And at the end of the game, when you know when it's you know just blown up for final whistle, Spurs keep their hopes alive. Well, actually, Arsenal are in the driving seat. You know, there's no mention of that. Ultimately, I see a lot of frustration about it, and it does frustrate me too. But I think it's also important to remember that this is capitalism, baby. Like you, you have to understand that they are they have an ulterior motive, and it, at face value. It seems like a wank, a personal wankfest. But let me tell you, the exec producers, the the CEOs, the CFOs, the COOs—they are all driving towards engagement, clicks, and views. And how do you get that? You make people outraged, you make people annoyed. And Arsenal fans have a massive following. Uh, Arsenal, sorry, I have a massive following mm. on social media, and we will—we'll click on shit. So they'll annoy us. Get used to it. Yeah. Um, open-minded. Open Deji I think his name was Ab- Abby, says, if you ever get free time, Oh, no, not the one. Uh, where is it? Oh, yeah. I guess everything starts with money. If Arsenal, if you ever get free time, do you want to come over to mine? <laughs> he said, if Arsenal had got a point today, last two games of both Arsenal and Tottenham would have been meaningless with less views and attention. Now they have more, more stories to tell, incentives. All these internationals are accumulated with money. That always stays. And I couldn't agree more. It's just, I, I do, it frustrates me. But I just think it's
1: it's it's it's
0: motivated by something very obvious, so I don't believe it
1: of course, you know this game could have we've had we've had how many how many w- weeks off and on with zero games and they've decided to schedule this game now before the last two games of the season mm-hmm. of course this is this is what they wanted, mm-hmm. you know they're lucky they got it. But this is what they wanted. Please don't start any conspiracies about Sky working with the referees and stuff, because you just make us all look like fucking conspiracy theorists on 4chan, for Christ's sake. But, you know, they've got what they wanted, but Arsenal are still in the driver's seat with two very winnable games coming up. We just have to keep the faith and hope that we can get this right and, you know, yep. Spurs' next game is not easy either. They play before us. They play Burnley. And Burnley have beaten them once this season. And Burnley are in form and they're going to want to stay up. Yeah,
0: let, let's let's have, <laughs> let's have that conversation now. Let's have that conversation now. The last two games, Arsenal away to Newcastle and at home to Everton. Everton are 16th. Ah. Uh, the thing is we don't we want both Everton and Burnley to win their next game. And Everton play um Brentford at home on Sunday. And I think if they win that game we we basically want both Everton and Burnley to win this weekend because Burnley would beat Spurs and I don't think that guarantees us does it guarantee us Champions
1: League football if we win? Yeah it does, doesn't it? Um uh yeah, because we'll be four points clear. We'll
0: be four points with a game to play, yeah. So um yeah, so we want we need Burnley to do us do us a favour this weekend and who knows, who knows? And we need Everton to win so they have nothing to play for on No, because they will have something to play for on the final day. Oh no, no. If Leeds lose, I think they go down. Yes. If Leeds no, no, fuck this. I'm, I'm completely screwing this up. Regard, basically, we need <laughs> ignore the relegation scrap. I have no idea about that. But we do need both Everton and Burnley to win this weekend. We've got... Um, uh, if Everton Spurs, win this
1: weekend, uh, they're mathematically safe if Leeds
0: lose. Okay, okay. So that, that needs to happen. Uh, and Tottenham are away at Norwich on the final day. That's going to be a procession. Surely, surely. So we can almost guarantee them getting points in that game. I feel like this this Sunday and this Monday, it might be decided. Um, yeah. I have a feeling. Because the the final day... Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I can't call it. I can't call it. But I mean, it's we're getting, to, we're getting to the stage where it's not even worth analysing. It's just into like, we need to win all of our games. That is it. But looking at our track... That's what we need to do. Yeah. Newcastle, winnable. Everton, winnable. So... My only concern is the squad depth. My only concern is 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 the uh, is how we're doing squad wise. I think Gabriel Mikel seemed pretty positive about him. He said, you know, we hopefully we'll be able to recover him. And when he says that, normally he means we will be able to. He said it a couple of times this season. Um, and if not, why Tomiyasu, Tavares and Cedric is concerning, of course. But if we structure ourselves differently, I think it, we could be okay. Um, Newcastle have nothing to play for, so you know I feel as much as that might be an intimidating atmosphere because it's their final game of the season and they're looking forward to a big summer, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You know, it might be a sort of jubilant day for them. The football itself, they they do have nothing to play for, and their best players are only just coming back to fitness, Wilson and Trippier and stuff. So, um, yeah, it's uh we just got to win our game so i mean it's it's that simple really isn't it yeah um
1: what would be great is if burnley could win or draw if burnley could pick up a point and and keep spurs to it that would at least give us the kind of release valve of a of a negative result up in newcastle uh, like a draw up in newcastle but one thing we do have to consider is that Spurs now have a much, much, much greater goal difference than us. So we can't afford to be level on points. So it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. But the boys can beat these two teams. They can. They can do it. And hopefully by the Everton game, they're safe. So they're a bit more relaxed. And hopefully for Newcastle, we're up, ready to go. And we can just, hopefully it's an a masterclass and we just, bag it. Leeds are playing Brighton this this Sunday
0: so they, they they could be gone. They could be gone by the final day so who knows. Um, that's a huge game for them. They're at home though. Mate big games and actually weirdly the relegation scrap massively affects us so that's something to keep an eye on. Um, final thing for news and views uh, just want to talk about Conte's comments about Arteta last night.
1: Saying he complains too much. Um,
0: and that he says man needs he said. his
1: head a wobble and, and knock his own wig off. What's he chatting about?
0: <laughs> he said he doesn't lie. What happened in January? And I just want to make the point didn't Conte get banned for 10 months for match fixing? Yes. So- and Ar- Arsenal followed the rules. Whatever you think of the rules, Arsenal
1: followed the rules. He's got absolutely no right to be fucking lecturing us on rule. Following. And also, the, the irony of him saying that Arteta complains so much when Conte has done nothing but agitate and complain and at points threatened to leave Tottenham for the last six months. What's he fucking talking about? Have a day off, you bald
0: uh, I just want to read out uh, at Mark White's tweet because I thought uh, it was a really good point. Arteta was right. What's the point in bringing Ben White into a game you're 2-0 down in in that atmosphere with the referee having already decided the game when you've got a must-win game on Monday? Um, I I agreed with not bringing Ben White on anyway, but I think that kind of solidifies my opinion to be honest. I think I think he was right not to. Uh, I think White was getting ready at one point when holding went off but why? <laughs> why risk him? Why, why risk him pulling up for the last two games of the season? We're going to need him. I think he probably maybe could have come on and maybe could have done a job but it's not worth the risk and a couple more days in training a couple more days of rest and recuperation I think he should be fine so yes we do get holding back for the end of the season which just gives us another option at least um, it's huge mate it's it's fucking huge but we are
1: in the driver's th- seat I don't think you should play for Arsenal again mate That's a I don't think holding should play for Arsenal again
0: what a reactionary take come on Brad
1: I know it's a bit reactionary, but at the end of the day, if he does not have the bottle to keep his head in the most important game of the season, he, he doesn't have what's needed to be kept around this group of players, mate. But the point is, is you shouldn't be playing. That's the. It's like, it's like saying, it's like sticking
0: Zach Swanson on and saying, oh, if you can't handle this, then what? Okay, <laughs> if he shouldn't be playing, what's the point of keeping him? Because if he, he shouldn't be playing, what's the point of keeping him? Because he should be our fourth choice centre-back.
1: I think he just pissed me off last night. <laughs> Bradley we've just got time for a little bit of Arsenal trivia
0: your question last week was around Arsenal's previous Egyptians and we found out we only had one because Remy Shaban has an Egyptian mother I think but he is a Swedish international
1: father Egyptian father I oh think. sorry
0: the question was what year did Mohamed Elneny sign for Arsenal 2015 2016 2016. Ah. Just a reminder, Brad, I, I am going to be on for though. a theme in a second. So just, just keep that in mind. Oh, don't, your worry. Theme, don't worry. Your theme for this week is Eddie and Kettier. And the question is, in what year did Eddie and Kettier make his debut for Arsenal? The question is, in what year did Eddie and Ketia make his debut for Arsenal? I was surprised by this. I was surprised. A theme for next week, please, Bradley.
1: Rob Holding before the hair transplant. <laughs>
0: holding before. I said hair. last night
1: that he should be shaved. He should be shaved bald for his mistake and run through the streets. A quote from the
0: little book of Arsenal, Arsene Wenger. When I first came to Arsenal, I realised the back four were all university graduates in the art of defending. And as for Tony Adams, I consider him to be a professor of defence. <laughs> How apt. Oh, Big games coming up, Brad. Big games. Um, yeah. Look, whatever happens I this season... I just wanted a nice, calm end to the season. That wouldn't have been calm if we got Champions League
1: there, mate. We'd be out on the piss. Look. No, but like that's much more enjoyable than quivering in my fucking seat watching us play Newcastle hoping that Joe Linton doesn't pull off a midfield maestro masterclass.
0: You just, you just know it's going to be a gimmerish from a 30-yard screamer, 90th minute.
1: Um, do, look- do, do you know what, Alex? You're such a dick. Stop speaking <laughs> this shit into existence, you moron. Sorry, Brad. It's like people that, it's, like, it's so weird. It's like people that are like, oh, you know, I've got a bad feeling about a red card and a cane penalty. Well, don't tweet it then. I don't want the bad vibes.
0: But it, there was a red card that yeah. became penalties. So. <laughs> uh, look, we are still a point ahead. It's in our hands. And 30,000 foot view, we've overachieved this season. I, I actually don't think this squad is ready for Champions League football. I would love it. I think it accelerates our project. I think it makes such a big difference. But if we get Europa League and we're fifth... I'm okay with it because we, you know, it may may mean we sign a different different uh, profile of player, but I still think we're we're definite top three, top four contenders for next season. So I I I feel fairly calm. If I certainly didn't feel it yesterday, so there we go. Any closing thoughts, Brad? <sighs> Hawaii the lads, let's batter the tune. Sunderland fans, here we are. Guanajuatums. Yeah, it's. Uh, let's not do that. Uh, thanks as always for listening. <laughs> Keep it different. Knock, and we'll see you later. Peace. Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast. Please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using. If you'd like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon and BuyMeACoffee.com, find us on Twitter at DiffNock, and visit our website, thedifferentknock.com. Thanks! Podcast Network.